Thank you for joining the Modern SaaS Finance Academy. These courses were curated to guide you on building your competency and craft as a finance professional in the software, SaaS, and subscription industries. Enjoy this session. How to tell your story in a turbulent market. Joining me is Michael O'Hare, the Managing Director of KeyBank Capital Markets. The reason why I asked KeyBank to do this is they have led most IPOs and underwriting over the past uh, 10, 12 years on getting this done. But Michael, would you share with everybody a little bit about who you are, who KeyBank is? Sure, thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me for to this event. My name is Michael O'Hare. I'm a managing director in KeyBank Capital Markets, KBCM's investment banking group in the technology sector. I have focused on software since about 1999 or 2000. Uh, I've been a banker since 1991. And I focus on all things enterprise software, especially the infrastructure layer and the security layer. He's done this so many times, folks. That's why I asked Michael and his team just to help represent this first story. Because here's the three things we hope you learn. How do you choose the metrics that measure your MUD, your meaning, meaningful underlying business dynamics? Know how you rate. KeyBank does an amazing survey every year. We're going to tap into a little bit. And then how do you strategically communicate that story externally, internally, particularly with all the change that's going on right now? So, Michael, let's get kick things off. Could you share a little bit about this slide? Sure. As everyone knows, uh, given the proliferation of the SaaS business model, there have been a new set of metrics that you require to measure the historical performance and start to forecast your future performance. And over time, this has evolved into many different types of metrics to look at that cover your growth, your expenses, your marketing efficiency, uh, retention of customers, and it's become incredibly messy and complicated. Uh, and what we're here to do is try to help simplify it a little bit. Now, we only have about a half an hour, but we're going to try to stay high level and give people uh, just a point of view that I think will be helpful in analyzing how to look at these metrics and what to really look at and when. Yeah, absolutely. Because it all starts off with this, how you decide where you're bringing enterprise value to your customers, and then what's the ultimate measure that's unique to you and your model. Would you go deeper on this? Sure. One thing to keep in mind is none of those metrics on that previous page, none of them are, have, there's not an absolute standard. They all are, have useful, they're all useful to many companies, some more than others. And what you want to do is look at all those metrics and determine based on your customer base, based on your type of contracts, are they short-term, long-term, are they term contracts, are they monthly? Um, you mark the, based on the market dynamics and the size of the market, and whether it's SMB or enterprise, et cetera, you want to try to figure out what are the right metrics you need to be tracking for your business. Again, based on the growth directories and especially the go-to-market. Go-to-markets can be very simple. They can be very complex. So you really wanna make sure you iterate and make sure you have the right set of metrics that accurately portray your business model. We're gonna go deeper into those. I mean, metrics been around for a while. We're not gonna define these for everybody. Uh, there's plenty of blogs that are out there that'll do this, but these are just some of the core ones that you guys track in the annual SAS survey that helps set the structure. Is there any more context you wanna give on this? That's right, David. This is an over almost a simplification now of many of the types of uh, metrics that you will see. Um, certainly growth plays a major role in any companies in its valuation uh, and the amount of capital it needs to raise. So there's 
uh, ARR growth is definitely the number one metric for growth, but there are many others. And in efficiency, we all know about churn, both gross and net, and cost structure is important, and ARR per employee, perhaps. Uh, CAC is a very va valuable metric to look at. The rule of 40 is something that many investors are using, or at least looking at. And then, of, cap of course, your capital consumption efficiency. One thing to keep in mind is no one of these is really tells the story or is the one you need to rely on. You want to look at them all as a whole. Yeah, and it kind of leads into how you start to define what makes you unique and how these interplay off one another. Because as we lay out here, you can focus on churn and net revenue retention, which are so critical to showing success, but there's many factors that can impact your metric. Would you want to go deeper on these? Yeah, this, David, this is a, just an example of that headline. It, depending on um, your business model, you want to figure out, well, what, how should we calculate a particular metric and which ones do we use? In this case, we're talking about churn and net revenue, and we've listed some examples that based on the type of the quant and uh, type and quantity of your customers, are you an enterprise business or an SMB business? In enterprise businesses, generally speaking, you're going to look at your dollar churn. Not that you're not going to look at the logo churn, but in enterprise, you're probably going to have some big customers that are really driving most of your revenue. So the dollar churn is going to be a little bit more important. Whereas an SMB business uh, that has high volume and high turnover and a high natural churn, you might look at the logo churn a little bit more. Same with some of these other points, the monthly and multi-contracts. If, if you have no multi-year contracts and it's all monthly or annual, then you're probably going to look more at it. the retention rate actually is very similar to the renewal rate. But if you have many long-term three and five-year contracts, if they're not coming up for renewal every year, then what you really want to look at is your renewal rate, which is based on those companies that are renewing in that period, what is the churn or the retention? So as you can see, there's context behind many of these. <laughs> uh, lots of context. So um, and we have other examples here. The contracts, are they pure subscription or transactional? And I'd also bring up usage models, which are very similar to transactional, but usage models where they're really not ARR. They're, they you subscribe to, and based on your usage, that could flow up and down. So you got to be careful with not uh, taking the traditional SaaS metrics and directly trying to apply them to a different model, but they can still be helpful in helping you define your business. Um, the, land expand, the land expand dynamic, um, you know, whether you're a mature business or a high growth business, in some cases you might want to look at ARR, you might want to look actually also go back to your recognized revenue. Um, all of the, you, the, the metrics that have been defined in SaaS are for a certain reason, but they can be rather brittle sometimes. So you have to define it in a way that makes sense for your business. Yeah, I'd love to hear other people if you want to contribute in the chat, other some of the other criteria that you're using in order to define that, because this is non-exhaustive. We're just trying to get as much done as we can here and in 25 minutes. David, one, one more point I want to add. I actually added that last point that I don't think we've had on the page before. Inter, another great example is interperiod expansions and contractions. Yeah, Many businesses yeah. might have a usage or they have a long-term subscription, but in the middle, their customer might say, hey, I need... Uh, you're a new, uh, an increase in expansion for just a little while, and then it comes out. Well, you don't want to count that as a churn because it's probably the natural part of the business model sometimes for customers to come in and add a little more, but they want to come out. So you got to be really careful with dynamics of your business. Yeah, yeah, and, and here's just one example. Uh, these are from several firms that went public, and their S1, and then the footnotes of how they described how churn 
gets calculated. Because look at all the different ways that churn can get calculated. And so this would go back to defining your metric for what represents your business. And then it gets, oh, go ahead. Oh, David, I was just gonna add, there's two reasons, two reasons off the top of my head for that. Number one, every business model is different. So they need to use a slightly different way to approach the definition of the metric. And number, number two, some of these companies are disclosing more or less information or different information because they want to hold back on some of the disclosure. So they have to rely on using a different metric than someone else who might be disclosing more or less information. Mm -hmm. So you get a different variety of definitions. Well, this is context for all of you as you're trying to design your own, but you want to make sure it passes the sniff test because investors will find in, cut, dive into that. We'll get that into our third section. And then cohorts make such an important, as much as there's metrics, as you learn and you grow and the model shifts and your market evolves and matures, there's different cohorts that lay things out. Do you want to talk a little bit about how cohorts play away in uh, telling your story? I would, and I want to highlight this, David, as I think one of the most important pages in this presentation and deck. Uh, we started a lot of uh, folks, companies, uh, early days, folks in ARR, net retention, gross, we still do. But there has been over the years a drive, especially by investors, to get under the hood, to dig under, okay, well, why is the churn this way? Why is the gross retention this way? What is happening with the ex acquisition cost? And one way to do that is to slice and dice your bookings data as granular as possible and add as much metadata to that data so that it has context. And when you do that, you can now do all of those metrics by pricing plan, by industry, by geo, by the product, uh, by go-to-market channel. Now, this is a very difficult thing to do if you don't have the metadata. So what's so important is to use Sage and their team and their software to start tracking all that data and make sure your CRM system is, is completely synced up with your financial system so that you can actually generate these points, these reports very quickly and better understand your business. Yeah, session three is going to get into this. Session seven is going to get into how you operationalize and act on that advice. So let's move into our second portion of this about know how you rate and where you can and should improve. There are so much, there's like 70 something pages in the key bank annual SAS survey. We just pulled out two of them in order to make a point in this time that we have. Do you want to dive into the first one? That's right. You can use the KBCM SAS survey to benchmark your data uh, and see, generally speaking, where you stack up. And um, this is two examples of, of pages from our, our survey. You'll see here a very popular one, gross dollar churn. We've taken hundreds of metrics that have been provided to us anonymously and done the analytics for you so that you can easily look at the graphs, look at the reports and see where you fall. Uh, and are you uh, generally you know, doing well, median me uh, or average? This in gross dollar churn, if you'll see that the, the, um, the gross dollar churn for most of these companies is in that eight to 10% range. That's pretty standard, um, especially for the enterprise. But if you're an SMB company in that mix, well, you're probably going to have a higher gross dollar natural churn, which is okay. So you also have to have context and take a look at the data that we have under the hood and who's in there. And if there's very few S&B com companies, then perhaps this is going to be skewed. But again, context is everything. Metadata is everything to, to help you better understand the business and compare yourself. This is the point because we just spent section one about what are your metrics. Here we are in section two and realize that people are going to look at your metrics in the context of others in your cohort of your competitors that are all trying to, who's gonna win the whole shot 
for the big outcome. Let's move on to net dollar retention. Just it's the next uh, metric most people look at after gross turn. This is net dollar that includes the expansion um, and upsells from the customer. And you can see we've uh, broken this down quite in quite granular detail. Um, and you'll notice that on average for these, this are all private companies in the survey, by the way, a few hundred companies, you'll see that their medium was about 101. Um, and there are many companies out there that are doing uh, much higher on the scale at the, I think if you're at the 115, 120 plus or 130, you are doing really well on uh, in this metrics, but certainly the average comes out a little over 100 and you're always striving to land and expand. And this is what helps you determine um, how you're doing relative to others in that, in that metric. And that was that point you were making on cohorts and then the first metric, right, is how fast are you going and updating in order to get things in. So here's amazing data that's out there that KeyBank has that uh, that's in the annual survey. And then our third speaker, Ray Reich at RevOps Squared, has an even more interactive uh, set of survey data if you've not participated and done things at RevOps Squared. So let's move into our... Let's move into our, sorry about that, with the, the background on that. Thank you, Michael. Any, let's move into our third section on now, how do you strategically communicate uh, the story internally and externally? So let's kick this point off, which is, and you spent a lot of time on this, Michael. You've done so much with a lot of the transaction work and advisory work you've done over time. How, give these many CFOs and heads of finance we have in line, how should they tell their story and what should they expect with the investor conversations? We could spend a, you know, a whole session on this, but <laughs> uh, in, in summary, I think I'll go back to what I mentioned earlier. Collect as much granular metadata you can early. Organize it with both your finance and your sales and marketing and product teams. Determine what is that base level of granular data and then uh, roll it up to your financial reports and link everything. You don't want to start as much from the top and go down. It's, it's much better to start at the bottom and move up. And then everything is linked together because what's going to happen is you're going to give the high level information later, and then you're going to give the granular information later on in the process. So you want to make sure you've built that up early on. The best way to do that is have your systems all in the ability to get this information in as real time as possible. Um, so you really want to, you know, it's going to be a phased approach, but again, the more you're collecting this on a day-to-day -day business just to operate your business, you're going to be ready for any sort of transaction. Um, you want to be balanced, you know, standard metrics and the vanity metrics. I'd also say be open with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Put it all on the table. Build trust with folks by showing the negative metrics and what happened and give explanation and be proactive about that as we have this preemptive here identify those areas of improvement and explain what you're already doing to improve on those things and again be as detailed as you can you know as you are going to nowadays especially investor community and the buyers also they are going to take they're just going to ask for your entire detailed bookings file <laughs> and they're going to calculate all this by themselves that is what's happening so you might as well do it from the ground up and say we've done that for you but here's the booking file and here's how we've done it hopefully conservatively and transparently. Yeah, there's so much here. And, and, you know, we're back to what metrics do you pick? Because there's some that people are going to look at and how do you define them yourselves? And what's vanity? But they will get to the bottom. Uh, BS will get found out. That's and right. some of you I know, because I know some of the firms that are 
registered for today. You've got great infrastructure in place to put this. Some of you are earlier and you have not invested in it. The way you can put yourself in a good spot is to automate as much of that as possible. So just in our almost close to wrap up slide here, we just got a couple minutes left. Michael, what's the um, what's a little bit of the process? What should people who have not been through it before expect, particularly with the data room? Uh, again, this is it, it's shown here as elevator pitch and then the larger confidential information presentation then data room one and two. As you move from the top to bottom, you're going from very high level positioning storytelling to very detailed due diligence to back it up. So again, it's kind of backwards from the way you want to prepare. You want to prepare from the bottom, especially with the financials, and then build them up into the elevator pitch. I think I find that to be incredibly helpful. The issue there is you need to start earlier in your preparation. So that's one big um, concept we push on all our clients is prep early, give yourself some time, don't rush to market, um, and work on all of these at the same time. But while you don't need all the legal documents right away in a second phase room data room, you do want to work on the operational financial product, um, all of the initial metrics that a, an investor or buyer are going to want to just make the initial, the that preliminary determination that the growth and the margins and everything is something that we want to pursue. Yeah, and there's, and underneath all this, as we're talking about data and metrics, there's the continuity and consistency across all of you in the leadership team, because the CFO is often the data steward and the data storyteller. But it's how are you partnered with your CRO as to what the process is of the buyer's journey, how you're measuring that, how are you partnered with the CMO in order to best engage the TAM and explain how that's then leading the funnel into doing this. How are you connected with the CEO as the CEO is talking about what the branding message is and the customer value to then having the underlying metrics reinforce that and prove that and reinforce that and show predictability in a forecast going forward. So if this is our process of the due diligence that and investors I, want to see. And David, I just add that a, a process for raising capital or an M&A deal is usually somewhere between three and five months. Okay. It can be shorter. If it moves quickly, it can be longer. But that's, this, this is the work that's done in that first month of prep, sometimes two weeks if you have the resources, but it usually takes two to four weeks to pull all this together. It's just amazing. Uh, some disclosures with KeyBank uh, to make sure forward-looking statements. And then as we wrap up here, because here we are finishing up our first session, so much more coming across the other sessions, the birds of a feather, the, the vendor showcases. Um, I'm so excited to get us started. We want to make it just beyond just this one session. We created an excellent and large Slack community. If you just go to bit.ly slash modern SaaS finance with those capitals, bit.ly slash modern SaaS finance, join the community. Extend beyond today to getting to know your peers that can help you out and scale up and grow. Michael, any final thoughts as we're wrapping up? No, it's uh, really a pleasure to be here today. Thank you for having me. And I would, if anyone ever has any more detailed questions or like a more a deeper explanation of any of these concepts, I'm happy to speak to them. How would they get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me. My email address is mohare at key.com, K-E-Y.com, mohare at key.com.